Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Thank you so much for letting me come here. As Godfrey said, my name is Anel Kanda, and uh, currently I live in Fresno, California. I was born and raised in Orange County. Anybody here been to Orange County? All right, that's down in Southern California. It's like a, a whole other state in Orange County. So, uh, but uh, I'm excited about uh, today because I believe God wants to speak to us in powerful ways. Amen. So I have a little bit of a tradition, and this tradition revolves around talking to you and getting you to participate. And what I mean by that is this. The Bible says, enter into his gates with what? That's right. I really think it's more and more appropriate for God's people to give thanks. Many times we think that it's happiness that leads to gratitude, but rather it's gratitude that leads to happiness. Amen? So this morning, I'm going to ask you a quick question. What are you thankful to Jesus for? Now, here's the criteria. You've got to keep it brief and got to keep it beautiful. Right? So what are you thankful to Jesus for? Raise your hand. Yes. Direction. Direction. Amen. Direction in life or to the church? Both. Amen. Anybody else? Yes. Amen. Right? Praise the Lord. Yes. Friendship. Yes. Yes. Amen, right? Every breath is a gift from God, right? Anybody else? What are you thankful to Jesus for this morning? Well, health. Who said that? Yes, amen. And good food, too, right? <laughs> right? Yes, amen. Amen. Anybody else? Something you're thankful to God for? For His patience. For His patience. You know, I woke up this morning and I thought the exact same thing. I'm so thankful for God's patience, right? Praise the Lord. Yes. First church. First church. Amen. And church is never a building in the scriptures. It's a people, right? Amen. Anybody else? Yes. Loving families. A loving, loving families, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, why don't we begin with a, a word of prayer, and let's ask Jesus to bless us with his Holy Spirit. Father, we just thank you again for this morning. Thank you for the messages and that comes straight from the heart of God. Lord, we pray that you would inspire us, encourage us. And God, we pray for the present blessing. Thank you again for being with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Quick question. I'm not, I don't have a clock, so I'm going to try to keep this first early morning devotional fairly short. So Godfrey, if you can be my clock. So in about two hours from now, no, one hour, maybe less, like 30 minutes or less, let me know that... Time is done. So, um, anybody here watch the Olympics or watched the Olympics? Okay. Now, I love the Olympics. I don't like watching the Olympics. Like, what do you mean by that? There's only one part of the Olympics I like watching, and that is the replays. The final replays of the Olympics. That's it. So, when I'm watching the news recast, and they're describing... That last moment, that Olympian is reaching the finish line. And then they'll show the video in slow motion. And it's like... And just every part of their body is pulsating. The sweat is off their body. The people behind them are... But my favorite part is this, is when you look at the audience and you see people slowly rising up, right? Kids getting knocked over, hats falling off the top of the bed, you know, cups falling on the ground. And everybody is cheering as that person is reaching the finish line. I like that game. Yeah. (laughs) 
You know, it's really interesting. There's something really special about the times we're living in. You want to know why? I've been reading this book called Peak Performance. And it's a book describing how records of the past, some records over a thousand years old, are now being broken by this generation. It's so amazing. I'm going to share some of these stats with you. Anybody who know, knows who Michael Phelps is? Right? We all know who he is, right? Do you know in 2001, he set a world record? And then in 2008, he broke his own world record. I mean, this is so amazing. He racked up hundreds of gold medals during the times that he was in the Olympics. Hundreds. Imagine he had an entire room dedicated to the, all the Olympic medals he won. It doesn't just stop there. How many people here can run a fast mile? Raise your hand. Okay. What's the fastest mile you've run? Putting you on the spot right now. Was six minutes faster than six minutes? Five minutes. That's fast, right? I mean, that's really fast, right? Do you know about 70 years ago, there was a man who broke a four-minute mile? He just died a few days ago. His name was Roger Bannister. Do you know right now, there's over 100 people in the world who can break a four-minute mile? Somebody actually has run a 3 minute and 43 second mile. I mean, it takes us that long to get to the car, doesn't it? Right? I mean, it is so amazing. Now, this is where it gets even crazier. When those records were being broken over 40, 50 years ago, many researchers and scientists were saying, we have now reached the height of human potential. But do you know what happened years later? It was broken. Now, you know, um, I, I was, this is so amazing. I'm taking an um, MPH course, and I was reading different articles on running. Researchers now believe it, is some, it might be possible for human beings, based upon their anatomy, their anatomical structure, to reach 40 miles an hour. We just don't know how to get there yet. And it's going to be the development of sports science that's going to take people past those records. I mean, it is so amazing. Do you know what the deadlifting record is right now? You guys know what deadlifting is? I like deadlifting. Anybody here like deadlifting? Okay, what's the deadlifting record? <laughs> Close. 1,100 pounds. That's half a ton. We just had somebody who lifted that recently at some CrossFit games. I mean, it's so amazing. This record, by the way, was broken two years ago. Two years ago. Someone lifted a thousand pounds off the ground. And when he lifted up, you should have seen it like he was just, his nose started to bleed. And then when he let go of the weights, he fell over backwards. But then got up with his hand cheering. It was like, ah! I mean, it is so incredible, the records that are being run. And it's not just the physical sports that are there. Did you know who the youngest spelling bee champion is in the entire world? And it's not Indian, which is very surprising. <laughs> A five-year-old girl. Her name is Edith Fuller. And she won by spelling the word Yana correctly. Can you spell that word? It's actually a Hindu word. Go figure, right? This is interesting. 
Do you know we have more young millionaires now in Earth's history than we've ever had in the last hundred years? Do you know Mark Zuckerberg became a millionaire at the age of 22? We now have 30-year-olds who are running multi-million corporations, multi-million dollar corporations. I mean, it is so insane what is happening. Let's just take basketball. Do you know over about 30 years ago, if you look at most basketball players, they were just dribbling with their right hand. Now, most basketball players can dribble with both hands. They're ambidextrous. The average height of a basketball player 40 years ago was about six foot four. Do you know what it is now? Six, seven. I mean, it is so amazing the records that are being broken. Now, why am I bringing this up? It's because of this powerful quote that I came across last year. I want to share it with you. This is what it says right here. God has a work for every one of them. Never did men achieve greater results for God and humanity. Notice this. Then may be achieved in this our day by those who will be faithful to their God-given trust. Do you know what is being said right here? God wants to break all the records of the past with this generation. Can you say amen to that? Many people, when they look back and say, I want to be part of earth's history. I wish I could live during the time of the disciples or the time of Moses. Do you know it is now that God wants to accomplish the most amount of work for you and through you? Can you say amen to that? We're going to be looking at the life of one individual who's going to lay a powerful foundation for what we talk about later today. His name is Jacob. Anybody here grow up watching WWE or WWF back then? Okay, I grew up on that stuff. My favorite wrestler was Ultimate Warrior. I love wrestling. I got into jujitsu and I would always lose, but I loved wrestling. Here's the thing. In the Indian culture, there is a ceremony that is practiced. It's, it's in the Punjabi culture during a wedding. I didn't know about this until my sister got married. It's something called the melee. Godfrey, can you come up to the front? I promise I won't throw you off. So in the Indian culture, what happens is this. When somebody gets married, and marriages, by the way, in Indian culture, take several days. Okay. On the very day of the wedding, what happens is the bride, the priest, and her family are inside the hall. The groom and his groomsmen, his family, began to make a procession all the way down to the hall. And so they're dancing all the way through. He's on a white horse, has a sword. And what happens is this. The bride's male relatives stand at the front of the hall. And his groomsmen, the grooms, uh, groomsmen, make their way up to the front with the groom. And what happens is a kind of showdown. And so they get close to each other. And the, you know, the, the bride's male relatives have their arms crossed. Well, I, I'll do that part. Okay, okay. And you are, you're part of the, the, the groom's party. Okay. And there's almost this show. I didn't know about this until it happened a few years ago. Okay. And what happens next is there's an exchange of a gift. I give it to you. you give me a gift. I take the gift. I put it down. Keep my eyes locked on you. <laughs> I give you my gift. And you take it. And then we do what's called the melee, which is this hug. It starts off with a hug, but what happens next is that your job is for the honor of the family to lift that person off the ground. Okay. I was told about it that day. 
And I'm the oldest brother of my sister. And so my cousins were telling me, the honor of the family is on you. So you know what I started doing? I started praying. I said, Lord, if you gave God, if you gave Samson the strength of a thousand men, now's the time. But what I was told is this, is that the grooms, uh, one of his friends happened to be a judo master. And uh, I was thinking, I really hope I don't get that guy, right? And praise the Lord, I didn't end up getting him. So this is what happened. So it was this, all my relatives were there, and there was this, my heart was beating so fast. And uh, so I was like, Lord, you've got to help me here for the honor of my family. So I walked up, we exchanged a gift. And then he gave me his gift. I knocked it down. And then we went in for the hug. And this is what happened. I reached my hand under him. It wasn't that noise, sorry. I grabbed him like this. Maybe we can turn down the oh, speaker. Okay, sorry. I grabbed him like this, and I lifted him off the ground, and everybody started cheering. This is where it got, got crazy. I was about to walk away, and this guy's so upset, he hits me from behind. Not hit me, but grabs me from behind to lift me up. I just put my legs apart. I grab him like this. I lifted him up and I carried him all the way over to where my family was. Everyone started cheering and we forgot it was my sister's wedding. Thank you, Godfrey. And like, it was like, I mean, it was such an, it was, it was a God moment too because I really believe God helped me during that time. This morning, we're going to be looking at the life of somebody who needed to win a wrestling match. And this wrestling match determined not just his success, but the success of all the people who would come after him. And his name is Jacob. Everybody take your Bible. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Let's go to the book of Genesis. We are going to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29. Did you know when you're studying out the, uh, the, the man Jacob, do you know his name appears more times in the Old Testament than even Abraham? In fact, when people, when people would pray, they would appeal to the God of Jacob. Why? Because there was a God who understood the struggles of man. So let's go to Genesis chapter 29. Let's understand something about Jacob's origins, his life. He's a young man. You know the story, the context. He wants the inheritance. And so he decides to dress up like his brother, his older brother, to obtain that inheritance. He goes in before his father. And the Bible tells us something very interesting in Genesis chapter 29, what happens. And this is going to lay a very interesting foundation for where we go after this. Genesis chapter 29, excuse me, I put Genesis chapter 29, but it should be Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. Let's go to verse 18. Let's see what happens when Jacob goes before his father. Again, you're going to see something beautiful at the end of this. Genesis chapter 27, verse 18. Here's what the Bible says. He went into his father and said, what? Very good, my father. And he said, notice this, here I am. Who are you, my son? He asked a question. He said, who are you? Your voice sounds different. Something's not right. And so he starts asking a question. Who are you? 
And Jacob begins this deception. And if you read, by the way, the rest of Jacob's life, his whole life is full of deception after that, isn't it? People who deceive him. And through these circumstances, God was doing something. He was um, working out the sin that was in Jacob's heart. But years later, when Jacob is at probably the most pivotal moment of his life, he's going back to his family after many years. The Bible says something very interesting. Take your Bible, let's go to Genesis chapter 32. The Bible talks about this journey back home after many years. The scriptures tell us something very interesting. Notice what it says right here. Jacob was left what? Alone. Separated from his family. Not knowing whether or not his brother was going to kill him. Esau was running towards Jacob with 400 men. Military men. It seemed like he was about to be wiped out. His family was about to be wiped out. Everything his whole life had been about was about to be wiped out. And in this moment of darkness, in this moment of struggle, the Bible says these words. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Anybody here ever go to sleep with the thought, if somebody tries to attack me in the middle of the night, this is what I'm going to do. Maybe there's a broomstick near you. Maybe there's a knife near you. But anybody here ever thought that? Like, what would happen? Thank you. You guys are men after my own heart. I always think to myself, what's it going to be like if I get attacked in the middle of the night? It's really strange. Three weeks ago, I was sleeping on my bed, and I woke up because I heard snoring on my bed. The snoring of a man. And that's strange. And so what happened is, I was just facing the other way. I opened my eyes and I thought to myself, I'm going to turn around really quickly and attack whoever's on my bed. And so I turned around real quickly and it was my dog, my German <laughs> shepherd. He jumped on my bed in the middle of the night and he was just snoring away. But here's the thing. Jacob is walking in the middle of the night and all of a sudden a hand touches his shoulder. He turns around. And the Bible says these words. He wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. Now notice this. Who sees that he cannot prevail here? It is not Jacob. It is the being he is wrestling with. Notice what it says right here. When he saw that he did not prevail against him. In other words, when Jesus realized that he was not going to leave Jacob's side without a blessing, he does something supernatural. He touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. But notice what Jacob does in response. He said, let, do, let me go, excuse me, this is what the angel said, for the day breaks. The angel said, let me go. This messenger said, let me go. I don't want to be here anymore. The day is about to show up. You know, it's interesting. I've always wrestled with that. I always thought to myself, why did Jesus want to leave that moment? What was the big deal about the weather? You know, it's interesting. The Bible tells us that God's presence is a consuming fire. That he, cloud, you know, he, 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 he clothes himself with darkness. The very dark experience that Jacob was going through was actually saving his life. 
It was preserving him. And Jacob says something so amazing in Genesis chapter 32. You know what he says? I will not let you go until you what? Bless me. Notice the next verse. The question is asked. Who are you? Now, do you know why this being brought up that question? He was reminding Jacob of his sin many years ago. And Jacob, instead of lying, tells the truth of who he is. He says, I'm Jacob, the deceiver. And it's at that moment that he receives a special blessing. God gives him a brand new name. Now, what does this have to do with us? Because Jacob became essentially the representative of all of God's people. Israel was not named after Abraham. Israel was not named after Isaac. Israel was named after this man who struggled with God. Indicating that God's people would be a group of people who struggle with God. Who wrestle with God. You know, I've been really going through this experience with prayer lately in my life. And I came across this beautiful quote in the Spirit of Prophecy. This is what it says. Jacob prevailed because he was persevering and determined. His experience testifies to the power. Do you know that next word? It's not important. Anybody know? Importunate, right? Prayer. It is now that we are to learn this lesson of prevailing prayer of unyielding faith. The greatest victories to the church of Christ or to the individual Christian are not those gained by talent, by education, by wealth, or the favor of men. They are those victories that are gained in the audience chamber with God. When earnest, agonizing faith lays hold upon the mighty arm of power. Faith such as this is needed in the world. When? Today. Today. Faith that will lay hold of the promises of God's word. Now notice this. And refuse to let go until heaven hears. You know what's wrong with many of our prayers? We pray survival prayers. You know what survival prayers are? God, please bless me with this. God, help me with this. You're like, well, what's wrong with those prayers? They're survival prayers. They revolve around us. You know what we need to pray? Revival prayers. You know what revival prayers are? When we pray, Lord, bless me that I may be a blessing to your people. Lord, provide for me that I may help other people. When our prayers are revolved around others rather than ourselves, we can know that those are revival prayers. So are you looking for God's blessings today? Maybe you need to ask yourself, are you praying survival prayers or revival prayers? You know, it's interesting, when you come into Sabbath morning, many times you come in crash landing. Anybody know what that's all about? Friday, the sun's going down. It seems the entire world is collapsing on you. And you've got like five minutes left to vacuum. <laughs> Fill up the tank. And you just feel when you get into those Sabbath hours, you're not even in that place. And then you come to church Sabbath morning. And you, you know, you might just not have had a great night of sleep. You might have just felt this or that. Maybe you had an argument. And you, you just feel these feelings. And it's hard to get into that place to receive the blessing of God. You know what's so powerful? 
I was studying out the book of Leviticus. This is amazing. You're going to love this. Do you know in the sanctuary service, the altar of incense represented the prayer of saints? That's what it says in Revelation, doesn't it, right? You know what's so amazing? The coals to light the altar of the incense came directly from the altar of sacrifice. Did you get that? In other words, before there was to be this time of prayer and supplication, there was to be a time of receiving the goodness, the mercy of God. Now you may be thinking to yourself this morning, I'm not sure if God wants to hear my prayers. He most definitely wants to hear your prayers. God actually wants to answer your prayers. But he wants to teach us the science of prayer so that we can receive the blessings that he has for us. You know, it's so amazing as we're wrapping up. There's this powerful story of C.H. Spurgeon. You know C.H. Spurgeon, that old English preacher. He, I mean, groups of people would come to see this guy. He'd pass through towns and great revivals would happen. One day there were these college students, young adults, that wanted to hear this preacher, C.H. Spurgeon. So they showed up at church, and they got to church, and this old man greeted them at the door. They shook his hand, and he said, well, what are you doing here? And they said, we want to hear the preacher C.H. Spurgeon. He said, oh, you do, huh? They're like, yeah, he's a powerful preacher. He's like, ah, let me show you something. So he takes them into another level. And as he takes these young men, they're wondering, where are we going? I mean, this is not where the, the people are seated. The congregations, I mean, where are we going? He's like, I'm taking you to the boiler room. The boiler room? Why are we going to go there? He takes them to this level. And as they get there, there are small groups of people praying everywhere. And then he tells them, you see, this is where the real fire comes from. And then he introduced himself as C.H. Spurgeon. It's not the preaching, it's not just the, you know, the music, it's not all those things alone that is going to change us. It's when we say, Lord, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm going to end with this powerful quote that's found right here. Prayer is a heaven-ordained means of success. Appeals, petitions, entreaties between men and men. Move men and act a part in controlling the affairs of nations. But prayer, notice this, moves heaven. And by the way, just in case you don't believe that, when you actually study out Daniel chapter 2, do you know Daniel when he has that vision? You know what he sees? He sees the nations, right? He sees what? Babylon, Medo-Persia. Some of y'all need to go back to an evangelistic series. All right. Then he goes, sees what? Greece, and then he sees Rome, and then he sees divided world, and then he sees second coming, right? Do you know what happened? That vision is repeated again. It's repeated in Daniel 7 and 8, and this time he sees something a little bit more detailed. He sees the individuals who will be responsible for the transition of the nations. But then, you know what's so amazing? Further in the book of Daniel, he's given more insight and revelation. He now discovers that angels are involved in the transition of the nations. But then it gets even more incredible. 
he learns his own prayers are involved in the very transition of nations in this world. One man who heaven heard to fulfill prophecy, to lead the children of Israel back home. You see, God wants to hear your prayers. Let me finish. That power alone that comes in answer to prayer will make men wise in the wisdom of heaven. Enable them to work in the unity of the spirit. Joined together by the bonds of peace. Prayer, faith, confidence in God brings a divine power that sets human calculations at their real worth. Nothingness. He who places himself where God can enlighten him advances as it were from partial obscurity of dawn to the full radiance of noonday. This morning, I believe God wants us to start with just the words that Jacob spoke to Jesus many years ago. Lord, I am not going to let you go until you bless me. You know, Ellen White says, she says that conferences, meetings, and camp meetings are special windows of opportunity for God to pour out His latter rain. You know what that tells me? Today is a special opportunity. For you to get answered prayer, to get revived, to get a special blessing as you remain to be part of this conference. So in closing, we're going to do something special today. The name of this message was called The Lonely War. Why? Because it was the war that Jacob had to fight alone. A wrestling match with God. There was this one well-known Japanese samurai who said these words. He says, Victory must come today so that victory can come tomorrow with others. It starts today with us and God. This morning with us and God. So, what we're going to do this morning is just take some time to pray before we go to the next thing. And we're going to just take some individual time to supplicate the throne of God, to pray, Lord, this morning, I am not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not letting go of you, Lord. I'm holding on until those blessings come. Why don't we bow our heads for a word of prayer during this time right now. And Father in heaven, right now, as we just enter into time of meditation, a time of prayer, a time where we are alone with you. God, we pray your spirit would speak to us, would lift the burdens of our hearts and help us to receive what you have for us.
And Father, we just thank you for being a God who is very near, who at this transition, this pivotal moment of Jacob's life, you crossed his path in that moment of loneliness, that moment of darkness. Father in heaven, we don't want to let you go until you bless us. Lord, thank you. It's in your desire and your heart to give us the blessing. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless us. I want to pray a special blessing upon every person here. First and foremost, Lord, that you would draw us to you. That you would draw us to you, God. That you would bring our heart into connection with your heart. Lord, that you would revive us and heal our brokenness. And Lord, that you would strengthen us. And God, we want to pray for those other things in our life. The things that we're thinking about, the things that we're concerned about. Lord, we want to, this morning, lay them at the foot of the cross. And we thank you again for being with us and blessing us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.